0: Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at BridgeHelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the precious gift of your son. Thank you. For the wonderful grace that came with such a high price to you. Father, thank you that that though we don't always see your ways, your workings, we don't see your plan, Lord God. Thank you that we can have confidence that it's perfect, Lord God. It is perfect. Jesus. You are our all in all. Jesus, your name is above all names. Jesus, you are the one and only. Jesus, in this troubled world, Lord God, you bring us so much. So Lord God, we stake our lives upon you. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Lord God, we're in awe. We have nothing to give you. So we simply give you ourselves. See fit to use us however you deem it worthy and necessary. Lord, we surrender to you in such a way that we forsake this world and the things of this world to chase after you, to convene with you, and to spend eternity with you. Christ alone, Christ alone, Lord God, help us get it, help us to turn our hearts to you in such a way where we walk through this life and we say in Christ alone, he is my all and all. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we can come together this morning. We know that you're going to do stuff. We know that you're going to speak. You know that you're going you're to challenge us today, Lord God, and we thank you for that. So in Christ alone, and in Jesus' name, we ask and we pray these things to you and you alone, Lord. And everyone said, amen. You guys can be seated. Ooh, what a great worship set. All of that was so good. All right, kids. Kids, you're out of here. Running down the aisles, oh, that is. All right, how's everybody here today? you forgot to change your clocks, raise your hands. No, because it's so hard nowadays. Because your phones just automatically change, but then you get up and you're confused because the microwave says something totally different. And, and uh, I, I was telling somebody this snow was wonderful, wasn't it? Wasn't this just a wonderful, loved it. Um, and and what I really appreciated was the weather forecast of one to three inches. Um, that was even better, but ultimately, um, I was telling this person on a day, like spring forward, daylight savings, it's kind of better for me to have winter out, right? Because if it was super nice, I'd be like, yeah, I'm all mixed up, but it doesn't feel like spring yet, does it? Not here, but spring is coming. Maybe this week. Maybe this week we'll we'll get some springiness. All right, let's run through some quick announcements so we're all on the same page here. First off, we have our night of worship, prayer, and healing. Um, we're doing that again. It will be March 24th at 7 p.m. Mark your calendar. Just get here. You don't know what God wants to do. You don't know what he wants to speak to you. You don't know what he wants to accomplish. Do you have to be here to um, to hear God? No, absolutely not. We can hear God anywhere, but there's something when we come together um, in humility and unity. And we worship and we pray and we, we pray for healing, personal healings, healings on on this community, things like that. So please, please, please mark your calendar. Be here for that. What is God going to do? No idea, no clue. But I know he's going to do something. How many of you guys believe that? Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, next, uh, Church 101 class. This is a class. Um, If you want to become a member, you have to go through this class, but even if you're like, I don't know if I want to become a member, I just want to know what this church believes. How many of you guys know it's important to know what your church believes? I can't tell you how many people I I talk to over the years and, and they'll say, well, gosh, my church actually believed this and I never had any idea. Well, you kind of got to have an idea. If you're going to a church and you're sitting under that covering, that's, that's man, that's their belief system, and you're participating in that belief system. So it's so incredibly important to know what your church believes. This this class we go through all sorts of stuff what what it means to be a christian what the church is what our mission is what we believe um so if you want to become a member or you just want to know what we believe there's a sign up um on the table back there there's man there's already a good list of people that signed up last sunday please sign up Um, once that happens we will figure out the best date to do that on i would love to do it in one long shot, maybe after church on a Sunday, um, maybe go downstairs, have lunch, and then just go through this. If that's a possibility, I will want to get you the material beforehand so you can look through it, so we don't have to go through every single word because you guys are mature, big boy Christians, and you can read stuff beforehand and bring it in. So. <laughs> So if you are wanting to um, either become a member or just find out what exactly does Bridge Assembly believe, please sign up for that and we can go from there. Uh, Next, we've got Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday coming up. It's going to be here before we know it. We will be doing a Good Friday service again. That will be at 6 p.m. on Friday before Resurrection Sunday. So that will be the 7th. It's kind of early this year. And then Resurrection Sunday is obviously Sunday the ninth at 10 a.m. I have cards, lots of cards out there on guest services. They're, they look like this on the front and on the back. It just simply says, please be our guest, gives our information. Please take the cards. I want to have to, I have to make more cards every week. I hope all those cards. I think there's 80 cards out there right now. Um, I would love it if they were all gone today, and not just gone, take it home and throw it away, but actually take it home and pass them out, leave them places. You don't even have to like personally give it to somebody. You can just scatter them out wherever. Um, but we want to get it out that we are doing both a a Good Friday and a Resurrection Sunday service. The title of those messages will be The Darkness and the Sunrise. Really exciting what, what God is 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 showing me and impressing me toward. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, on the back, um, the petitions. Uh, they're going to be leaving today. Boy, there's a lot of signatures on those petitions. If you have not signed both of them, read both of them and make sure... Um, it's, it's rather both ironic to me and appalling to me that we would need to sign a petition that, that potentially could make an ordinance that, that kids aren't allowed to be invited to, to drag queen story hours and stuff. It's like, where have our, where's our society gotten to? It's, it's a full flip over, it's a full reversal. No we shouldn't have to have a law or an ordinance that says kids shouldn't go to those that's just normal everyday common sense, but common sense ain't that common, and there's there's an evilness there's a there's a destruction and a deception among among our community and other communities, so we need to stand up, make your voice known just by signing that petition man that's just like hey. Um, for the wholesomeness of God's teaching and, and laws. Um, I, I think maybe we should get a a, a pastor story hour going um, downtown, right? You, you want to see a community come up in arms as is, is we do that. You know how many people would, would come against us for that? But, hey, I'm good with that. I don't mind it. Um, start it who wants to who wants to do it with me bring your favorite book be a good book There's a lot of there's a lot of the funny thing there's a lot of books in the bible that are great story um man one of my favorite books to read to my kids was breakfast with jesus it's so good man it's like that's so awesome it's you know the restoration of peter but but the pictures just these cartoon pictures, but it's Jesus and he's having breakfast. And I so want to be that that guy having breakfast. You know, they're eating fish that they just caught. Can't go wrong there. And their bread, bacon. It's just fun. I think kids would 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 like that. And I think it's a whole lot better than than the alternative. All right. So please sign those petitions. That was a little side note and, and all that. And and then I'll just announce this from here too. There's we're gonna have a greeters meeting next Sunday after church. So if you guys are on the greeting team, greeters team right now or are wanting to be a part of the greeters team, please plan on staying. We'll do some some a little bit of food and a little bit of um We're just going to be on the same page, kind of lay out some of the expectations of being a greeter. So if if you're on the greeting team now or want to be, make sure you stay for that next Sunday. All right, that is announcements. Four ways to give, of course, like always. That hasn't changed, has it? Though the time may change, our giving ability is not online bridge helena text it giving boxes mail it get on our app to go through the online giving all of those good things awesome stuff let's uh we had a business meeting um was that last week gosh it seems so long ago or was that two weeks was that last week two weeks ago um you guys are a giving bunch of people and it's it's awesome um i see that with the coffee bar um Giving to missions. Man, you guys love to give to missions. Keep it up. It's God's principle. It's His principle, not man-made's principle. If it's His principle, we need to apply that both into our church and into our lives and great things begin to happen. Amen. I know y'all got testimonies. If you are a faithful giver, you have giving testimonies. Share them. Share those giving testimonies with other people. It just, it blows their mind. When I tell people, you know, when I began to give God, God subverted the laws of mathematics in my bank account. I mean, you guys know that that happens. It's like, wait a second. This isn't mathematically possible. Right, right. Yet for God, it is because God invented math. So it's it's awesome stuff. All right, let's get rolling on our message today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, once again, we humbly come before you. Once again, we... We humbly ask for your will, your way, your wisdom, your guidance. We humbly ask that you open up our minds and our hearts and our ears and our eyes, not only to the things that are around us, but Lord God, to the richness and the truth and the beauty of your scripture. Jesus, once again, you are our all in all. Jesus, it is, man, it is all about you. What a wonderful thing that we can have such confidence and stability in our lives that we can proclaim your name and ask and act in your name. It makes life so much easier to be a born-again faithful follower of you, Jesus, and we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we know. We know you live within us, and we know where two or three are gathered, you are there as well. There's a, man, it's a, it's a synergistic, amazing thing. Well, well, Lord God, we got a room full of people longing for you and, and asking for your voice and your touch and your leading. So Holy Spirit today, convict, confirm, challenge, do all of those things. Holy Spirit, allow me to speak those things that you desire me to speak. Shut my mouth with everything else may you be glorified and once again i'm going to keep praying it i'll pray it every sunday holy spirit i ask that nobody leave here today the same way that they came in lord god we long to be changed by you to be transformed by you to get a little bit more of you every sunday and every every other day lord god we long for you we long for your return we watch for that very return. So Holy Spirit, guide us in all of those things. We pray all of this in that one name, that one name that is above all names. You know that name. It's the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning. So uh, if you guys were here last week, good for you. If you weren't here last week, well, you missed out. Last week I said that today would be a continuation of that message that we had last week, and it very much is. The title with last week's message was The Problem with Grace. It was a it was a somewhat challenging message. If you missed it, if you missed last week's message, you need you need to get online, you need to listen to it. Um, it will not only challenge you in, in maybe some of your thinking and maybe some of your actions, but it will also give a much better understanding of today's message. So they very much go together, they need to go together. Together, because you can't have the peanut butter without the pickles, right? You've got to have them both to make the perfect sandwich. And that's, that's really, a, these two messages were a before and a before and an after and an after. They just go together real real good. If you remember last week, our simple definition of grace is the unmerited gift and favor of God, right? That's what, that's what grace is. It's a gift, Grace is a gift that I don't deserve. Grace is a gift that I cannot earn. And grace is a gift that leads to my salvation, my forgiveness of sins, and redemption through Jesus Christ our lord and savior how exciting is that we got to get excited about grace see we got to have the proper understanding about grace and once we have that proper understanding that's where excitement comes i would say this i would say if you don't get excited about grace maybe you're operating on the, the the wrong understanding or definition of what grace truly is. Ephesians two states plainly the importance of grace as well as the need for grace. It's Ephesians two, it's eight and nine. We we looked at it last week for it, it, for it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourself, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Not a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. We read that and we think, does anybody actually have the audacity to take credit for their own salvation? Unfortunately, yes, there's many, there's many non-Christians, those that follow other religions, of course, they take credit for what they think will be their own salvation. It's a lie. They're going to be greatly disappointed. But inside the church, inside the Christian community, sometimes if we don't guard ourselves, we can allow that to come in. So last week, I hope we came to a greater understanding about how amazing grace truly is and also the issues, right, that can creep into our own understanding and our application of that grace, right? we got to be on our guard. We always got to be on our guard. As Christians, man, we should be on our guard more than anybody else in this world because we've got an adversary, right? He prowls around like a lion, Waiting to devour us, right? We've got to be on our guard. We've got to be watching. We've got to be in the Word. We've got to be in prayer. We've got to be spirit led, right? We've got to be coming together as a congregation and, and learning about God and getting excited about God. And we also have to understand in our redemption and our reconciliation to the Father through Christ, that's 100% Him, that's 100% grace. And that is 0% our works. We got that? 100% Jesus, 0% our works. This is stated very bluntly in verse 9 of Ephesians 2. And yet, we also see the beauty of works in God's overall economy. Just, just one verse later, in verse 10, we see Paul encouraging Let's look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. It, is this not a wonderful verse? Is this not just a wonderful amazing verse? See, it testifies to the, the redemptive work that Jesus does in us, in us, starting at the moment we are born again and really it, it continues until we step into glory. So look at the person next to you and say, you're a work in progress. Now we could say that in a negative connotation, like, oh man, that's a a work in progress right there. But when we have the context of the scripture to be a work in progress in this context, it's like, man, Truly amazing things happened when you were born again. Jesus became your Savior. The Holy Spirit came to dwell within you. That is amazing. What could get better than that? And God says, hang on. Hang on. As good as that is, I'm going to add to that on a daily basis because you're a work. In progress. Until you step into glory, I am going to continue to pour into you. I am going to continue to mold you. I am going to continue to change you, to challenge you, to make things even better. What do we need to do? We need to continue to follow Him and, and, and place ourselves at a spot where we can receive that. See, we are changed. Daily we are changed, never to be the same. Reborn with a purpose and equipped for action. And if that is not enough, when we come to Jesus, when we're born again, when we're reconciled with the Father, we are now described, you personally, you are described as a piece of God's workmanship. What? I look at the mountains and the trees and the animals and everything that he created. And in his creativity, I see his beauty, his amazing beauty. But, but God's not saying, oh, look at this. Look what I did over here. He's saying, no, but you're, you are my workmanship, molded and sculpted and formed by God's own hand with his boundless creativity. You are considered by God a work of art. Now look at the person next to you and say, You are God's work of art. A few chuckles. A few chuckles. It's like, Man, you're a God's work of art, but you're more like a Picasso <laughs> than anything else. And it's like, Man, you are God's abstract work of art. It doesn't matter. You are God's work of art when Jesus comes to you. And that's all part, that's all, that's all part of, of the gift of grace, isn't it? It's like the gift of grace is the gift that keeps on giving. It's like the gift that we don't deserve for salvation also brings this transformation to, to the point where God looks at us and says, that's one of my works of art right there, that he's still in progress, but that is one of my works of art. And within this amazing and this wonderful and this incredible transformation, God has placed a plan of purpose in each one of us. I'm telling you, it just keeps getting better. The demonstration of that place and plan of purpose is good works, which he has already prepared for us. Look at at this. Our gifts and abilities will always align with his plan and our purpose. Isn't that a true statement? Because God has given each one of us gifts and God has given each one of us abilities and he has given us those gifts and given us those abilities because he has a plan for each one of us and he has a purpose for each one of us. We live in a world right now We have a bunch of young people out there and they no more know what purpose is. They're drifting along. They are so confused. I mean, think about it, man. If you have a plan and a purpose for your life and you're seeking God and saying, okay, God, what is my plan and what is my purpose? Oh, that makes sense because of the gifts and the abilities that you have built into me. You don't have time or desire to chase all this other nonsense that's being chased right now. Identity issues? Not if you have Christ in your life, there isn't. Gender issues? Not if you have Christ in your life, there isn't. So our gifts and our abilities will always align with His plan and our purpose. The problem is, is when people take those gifts and abilities and they start using them for something other than God's plan and God's purpose. So if God bestows on somebody the ability of good business sense, right? And, and, and with the, the idea of, man, this is a generous giver. I'm going to give them the ability to make a lot of money so they can give a lot of money. But, but, but they subvert that and they ignore God's plan and God's purpose, greed and pride Creep in, right? My money's my money. I'll just build more barns. I'll just build more. I'll just keep. Oh, them barns aren't big enough. I'll tear them down and I'll big, big. I'll build bigger ones because all that money God's given me. Oh, God, thank you for this money. It's for me, me, me. And that person doesn't understand that his gifts and abilities will always line up with God's plan for him and God's purpose for him. you see that in in um, music right you see that all the time man I, I can turn on the radio and I can listen to certain singers not so much anymore because it's all auto-tuned mostly and all that it's all commercialized but man there's some truly good singers out there and God God gave them that voice are they using it to glorify God no a lot of them aren't But their life reflects that, doesn't it? It's a terrible life that they live, usually ending in tragedy if they don't finally figure out the plan and the purpose that God has for them. What we have to be very aware of, though, is that, again, this distraction between works in terms of earning our salvation— buying our forgiveness or sustaining God's favor in our life, we got we to be aware of that and put that in the context and the purposeful act of loving obedience to our Lord. Right? We don't just walk through life doing works. We walk through life doing good works, and good works are defined by the Lord himself. If our heart is not right, we can easily begin to cross the line on this thing that that we call works. And those good works, those good works that Paul is talking about can, can really become normalized, right? Into a routine. Oh, I just come to church and I do this. As a pastor, I just prepare a message every week because that's my job. I I need to do it. Oh, oh, it's a charity thing. It's just it's a repetitive motion. I I I give because, because that's just what I do. I don't put any heart into that giving. See, if we're not careful, these good works that Paul's talking about, they can be normalized into that routine. Or or even worse, one step beyond that is it can be seen as a substitute for grace. Well, I don't really need that kind of grace if I'm doing this over here. And that goes back to last week's message, right? That's the problem that we can have with grace. And it it all brings us back to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared for good works. See, there's a a linear process here, and yet it is an ongoing process that has overlaps within our life. So we have the grace of God, and the grace of God has appeared in and through Jesus Christ. And, And by and through that grace, we come to Jesus And with that, salvation comes. See, we're we're, we're linear here. We're we're on this process. and, And the grace given salvation changes us. Changes us from someone that was fighting against the Father to this wonderful adoption and fellowship with the Father. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work within us, trains us and inspires us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self control upright, and godly lives here and now, all the while. All the while, we are awaiting and we are anticipating the, the return of Jesus, right? The return of Christ, our blessed hope. But we are not just to be waiting, are we? Not at all. You know, not just sit like, oh, there's a bump on the law. I'm just going to wait here for the Lord. I'm just going to wait. Okay, Lord, I'm still waiting. I'm waiting. That's not an effective church, isn't it? An effective church isn't just a waiting church. right? An effective church is a waiting church that is busy. See, we are to be at work. To the point, to the point, Paul here says, writing to Titus, we are to be at work to the point of being zealous for good works. Man, we should crave those good works. We should be looking for those good works. We should be involved in those good works. Man, our life, our schedules, our time, our finances should really revolve around those good works, right? Because those good works are surrounded by Jesus himself and the grace that he provides. Now, if we want to take all of that and wrap it up in a nice little package like a nice little doggy bag that you can take home. This is what we get. Flip that slide real quick here. Good works can only follow grace. Grace allows us and compels us to do good works. That's, that's really, we bring it all together. Good works can only follow, you can't do good works if you have not yet experienced grace. So what's that saying is you cannot do good works unless you have Jesus in your life. And once that grace is in our life, once Jesus is our Savior, once the Holy Spirit is living within us, that is what allows us but also compels us to do good works. If you're like man, I don't want to do no good works. Maybe you've got to back that up and reevaluate some stuff in your life because Jesus and his grace will always compel us to want to do good works. See, grace comes first because grace has to come first. Flip, flip that. Our good works or the beauty of works can only flow from Christ in us, a manifestation of his grace that changes us. Do you guys believe that? Man, I have to believe that. I have to believe that because if it's not, it's something completely different than what God has intended. And and I'm talking about Christians and two Christians here because works and good works, they're different. They're different. See, when I'm full of myself, I either don't want to do good Or my reason to do good is influenced by an alternate motivation or a misguided ambition. Well, how how might that benefit me? Right? How might that benefit me? What, What will I get out of this? How will this make me look? Oh boy, if I do that. Remember the Pharisees, man? All the stuff that they did? How they dressed? It's like they were doing all that because they wanted to look a certain way. They wanted to portray something on the outside that wasn't really going on on the inside. Then sometimes we simply say, "But, but what might that require of me? Oh Lord, I know I'm supposed to be doing works. I'm supposed to be compelled to do works, but it seems so hard seems like that would take so much time. It seems like I would have to get out of my comfort zone. It seems like it would require a lot of me. You guys are nice and quiet right now, and you should be. Because let's be honest, we all do this. We all do it, don't we? Man, it's like, hey, there's something that I could do. Anybody watching, give me a sec. It's the opposite of when we fall on the ice. Right, We fall on the ice, and before we assess if we're hurt or not, we look around to see, did anybody see me do that? Because we don't want people to see us do that, but when there's something that makes us look more holy and righteous, most of the time we look around because we want to make sure people are, are looking, and then we, but then we pretend like we're just doing it without anybody looking. We all do it. we got to be honest. Because it's easy to make it about ourselves. And that's when a misguided faith can simply become secular social justice. Right? See, secular social justice leaves out the most important component of that social justice. In the process, we too can leave Christ and God's grace out of it. Think of it like this. Good works are those things we choose to do that bring glory to God, strengthen our relationship with Christ, and testify to the change he has made in our life. Good works are the consequence of salvation, not the means of salvation. Write it down. Write it down, because we have to understand that. Remember last week, we don't get saved by works. It's hard for us to understand. We want to be saved by our works, but we have to turn away from that mindset and that definition and understand that when we do works, good works, it's the consequence. It's the consequence of our salvation, not the means of our salvation. All our actions, all our words, everything that we do have consequences, don't they? Now, we live in a, in a time where when we say, oh, you're going to have to pay the consequences, there's a negative connotation to consequences, but, but there's a whole positive, a godly, good side to consequences. It's the beauty of works, isn't it? There's such a beauty in works. Of course, we have to head to the book of James now. because oh, yeah. James is, is, is amazing. See, James... James is, is deep in his theology, and, and he is forceful in his words. Um, if, uh, you know, if they were doing a, a, a church fundraiser, it's like, man, we want to do a church fundraiser. We want to raise all this money for missions. Um, we need to get the crowd all pumped up and going. They're probably not going to invite James, right? Because James says this straight, man, he would get in there, and people would be like, oh, I feel so guilty. I just need to come to the altar. To would be like, well, we didn't raise any money, but people got deeper in their theology and closer to Christ. But that's James. And that's what we love about James. He says it straight in a way that both challenges us, but it also brings clarity to us. Look at James 2.14. James 2.14. What is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? Can that kind of faith save him? No, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. It's a fruit thing, isn't it? It's always a fruit thing. It always comes back to fruit. So James is saying, man, if you have that kind of faith, it's naturally going to produce good fruit. See, in any, any Christian community, there can exist those who profess a saving faith in Jesus but at the same time display no evidence of a sincere devotion to him I know it's true I'd be quiet right now too you guys are thinking hey I know people like that you guys are thinking hey I used to be that maybe you're thinking am I that no We are not to go around acting like we are born-again believers simply because if we are born-again believers, there's no act necessary. We are compelled by God's grace through salvation. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit within us. We don't act like Christians. We are Christians because of who is within us. Jesus in us compels us to display Jesus outside of us. There's that compels word, right? It compels us. How can we be any different? Well, now, you know, I have a faith. I have a strong faith, and I, I'll go to church most of the time. Okay, once a month, I'll go to church once a month, but, but I don't believe that I have to broadcast it. I don't think I have to talk about it. I can I can hide that faith because after all, that's a personal faith, right? I don't know. Is that doable? Because Jesus within me consumes me. So the things that I do outside of me reflect what Jesus has done within me. It's the beauty of water baptism, isn't it? Water baptism is is showing the public outwardly what Jesus is doing to you inwardly. Man, if this weather keeps up, we're never going to be able to have baptisms, I'm telling you what. Maybe it'll get warm and we can head down there. But it's all the same. Jesus in us compels us to display Jesus outside of us and should, and should. It is no longer I who live, but him who lives in me. So my character is changed and reflective of him. And the character of Jesus, listen to this, the character of Jesus has everything to do with good works. So yes, of course, genuine grace-filled saving faith by its nature, the nature of Jesus produces good works. This is not a faith by words alone, but it is a living faith that, that not only confesses Jesus Christ the Savior, but also obeys him as Lord through our actions. James here is showing that our faith must be active, it must be alive, and it must be enduring, a faith that spurs us into the action of showing grace to others. Isn't that what good works is actually based in. Good works is always based in God's grace. If we have a problem with grace, how then can we display the beauty of works? If you're having a problem, you have an issue with the beauty of works, you need to go back to last week's message because you might have a problem with grace but if we accept grace for what it is, the amazing gift that it is the transformational change that happens in us as, as we are born again, it radiates from us through the beauty of his works that we have been purposed for to extend to this crazy mixed up dying world. It is the enduring faith through grace that is to shape our very existence. And I would say that it is the same enduring faith through grace that shapes our testimony, and as a result, the effectiveness of our witness in regards to the great Commission. Ah, I don't think I could do the Great Commission, go into all of the world and make disciples and preach and, and talk about them and testify and baptize and all this. You don't think you can, but you should be compelled to try no matter what. Because when we put effort in, when we try, the Holy Spirit does some amazing things. And I start speaking stuff. That, man, I'm listening as much as the person is. It's my mouth. But those aren't my words. These actions that I'm doing, I'm compelled to do these actions. That's not stuff that I have the ability or the want or the desire to even do, and yet I'm compelled to do them. And I hear I'm doing them, and I don't even know what's going on. That's the Holy Spirit within us. Now, James continues here. That's why we love James. And he gives us a practical example. So we don't misconstrue or misrepresent anything here. It's it's 15 through 17. If a brother, this is such a great passage. If a brother or sister is without adequate clothing or lacks enough food for each day, and one of you say to them, go in peace with my blessing. Keep warm and feed yourselves. But he does not give them the necessities for the body. What good does that do? So, too, faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative or ineffective. If we want to update this a little bit to modern-day church, it it would be more like, no, don't don't do that yet. It would be more like, I'll I'll pray for you. Right? Don't we love saying that as Christians? Oh, I'll pray for... Oh, oh, you don't have any food? Your kids don't have shoes? Whatever. You're walking through a a deep, dark place in your life. You're having these momentary struggles with the addiction that you think you've already overcome. I'll, I'll pray for you. Let me distance myself. I'll go over here and pray for you. Um, probably i won't, but it 's a good thing to say, right? What are you offering that person? you're offering them words, but no actions. Now this one this is this one's big. I read this somewhere and it has it has so much truth to it. Now throw that up. Deeds without faith are dead deeds. Faith without deeds is a dead faith. Ouch. See I can go through the motions. I can use all the Christianese words. I can use the Christianese lingo. I can do things because I think I have to. Or I can do things out of guilt. But if I do these things apart from faith or in the absence of faith, they're dead. I'm not saying it. James is saying it. And James would say, I'm not saying it. The Holy Spirit is telling me to say it. This is coming from God Himself. If I do deeds apart or in the absence of faith, they are dead. See, this this in itself can apply to all kinds of things, can't it? Apart from faith, all of these things are dead. See, prayer without faith is simply words. Reading the Bible without faith makes it just another book. Testifying without faith causes it to be a run-of-the-mill conversation. And yet, I claim to have all the faith in the world, but if I have no deeds or I am not producing good fruit, then how can that faith be anything but a dead and useless faith? got to think about these things. If you if you came here this morning and you thought, man, I'm going to grab a cup of coffee. We're going to sing some songs. I'm going to enjoy that. And then we're just going to coast through the message. Huh, I'm sorry you came to the wrong place because we need to be challenged and convicted of these things. And then it's as if James continues on by saying, you know what? I'm not sure you guys are getting this. So just to make sure you are getting it, let's, let's look at verse 18. But some of you may say, you claim to have faith and I have good works. Show me your alleged faith without the works, if you can, and I will show you my faith by my works. That is by what I do. See, it sounds like this is where actions speak louder than words came from actions speak louder than words we hear that in all sorts of places right secular elementary school in the workplace all over it's like it's just this secular saying that people actions speak louder than words remember well did you know that goes back to the the book of james and what he's talking about is having a relationship with jesus first And then out of that comes good works. And those are the actions that speak louder than words. And and we love this saying, actions speak louder than words, because it is so true, isn't it? So let your actions speak louder than your words. Remember, remember your words. Your words, they should be bold. They should be powerful. They should be full of love. Your words... Your testimony should be life-changing. So what does that say about your actions needing to be louder than your words? St. Francis said this, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words only when necessary. And I'll agree that's good. However, how much more powerful is it when our actions and our words line up and actually strengthen each other so we can talk about Jesus and we can show Jesus through our good works and when those two things come together wow we got something amazing 1 plus 1 now equals a million right when they line up together now James keeps going on here and and I would encourage you guys to go back and to read it but I think we're getting the point here that there's a beauty in works, but we have to understand what good works are. And in order to understand what good works are, we have to know what grace is. And if we have a problem with grace, then how can that ever trickle down to the beauty of works? See, there is a beauty to works that flows from the grace that God gives us. Through our faith, we display our faith by our actions and not only by our words, isn't this really the example of Jesus? I mean, seriously, read read the Gospels. I mean, you see Jesus working in the Old Testament. Isn't this the example of Jesus? When he walked this earth, his words always (coughs) lined up with his actions, and his actions always lined up with his words. Always! It always happened to the (coughs) extent of the cross and his sacrificial love for each one of us see jesus didn't just talk about salvation he didn't just talk about reconciliation with the father he didn't just talk about what needed to happen he let those nails pierce his wrists and his ankles and he took that cross to the point of his death words actions he is a great example. And of course, the example of Jesus testifies to the example of the Father, right? Because from Genesis 1-1 to Revelations twenty two twenty one, 21 we find a God of word and a God of action. Now think about this. If we see the display by the Father word and action, as well as the Son, word and action, can we not trust that we will also see this this same thing displayed through the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit's not going to go off and do something totally different now, right? Therefore, if the Holy Spirit nudges us or speaks to us or directs us, He will also equip us and follow through. See, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, And he follows that with an action to equip us in that millisecond for that one conversation or for a lifetime of ministry. It's words and it's action. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit will only nudge us to good words and therefore to good works. Even when they don't always seem that way, our job is to trust in faith Believe in truth and move in action. Let's challenge ourselves here today. Want to? Why not? We're here. We've heard this message. We're talking about grace. We're talking about the truth of grace. We're talking about works. We're talking about good works. We're talking about how good works flows. From the grace of God, the born again salvation experience compels us into those good works. So we ask ourselves is your inner faith visible by your outer actions? Hmm? Gotta ask. We gotta ask ourselves that on a daily basis. Maybe even on a situation to situation time because because we can get mad, we can get offended, we can get hurt. And all of a sudden, our outer actions are looking very different than what we claim is our, inter, our inner experience or our inner faith. Now, I guess if you have questions as to whether you are involved in good works or in your works, you need to ask yourself a few questions. Number one, why am I doing this? Yeah, boy, if we're to that point where it's like Holy Spirit speaks, nudges, equips me, I need to do it. And, and we, we have to back up and say, now, why am I doing this? Sometimes we do. Because as soon as that happens, man, fear and doubt within ourselves, man, that is not the devil doing it. That's us doing it. It'll come in here and, and it'll try to mess things up. So we ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Am I doing this strictly for me? Am I doing this for others or am I doing it for God himself? See, we're supposed to do good works to help others, but we're not doing those good works for the others. We're doing the good works to glorify God himself. Number two, what are my motives here? You ever wonder that one? What are my motives? In other words, what do I expect to get out of this? If I'm going to actually do this, God, if I'm going to actually trust and and, and, and every, if I'm going to actually go help this person or or get involved in this conversation or or stand up here or 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 let my actions be seen over here. What am I going to get out of this? And sometimes we ask God that. God, if I do this, what, what are you going to give me? What kind of blessings are you going to put in my life? And, and God just shakes his head and says, you're not getting it. Your motives are completely wrong. And sometimes we do those things because, well, after all, if I were to do that, if I were to volunteer for that, well, man, the pastor's going to think this of me. And then he's going to probably say it from up front. Oh, look at this person. Look what they, oh, it's amazing. And your motives are wrong. They've changed. You want the glory for yourself and not God. We do our deeds in silent, right? If God wants to expose those and bring attention to them, then God will. But we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to do that for God. So why am I doing this? What are my motives? Number three, where is my heart? Where is my heart in all this? Am I doing it out of guilt? There's a lot of guilt associated um, within a lot of aspects of christianity right true, true following christ there there is no guilt but but the church can lay some guilt upon some people right oh well if you would help it sure would be good but i mean if you don't we understand your commitment probably isn't as much as some of these other people and whoa really wow that's amazing so where is my heart is it guilt is it greed is it greed Is it obligation? I guess I gotta go do that, because it's expected of me. And where's my heart in that? That's gonna reflect, right? What's going on inside is reflected of of how we do that that job. So we can have guilt, greed, or obligation. But we can also have joy in whatever we're doing. Gotta clean a toilet? I got joy in it. We're gonna scrub that hard. Praise the Lord. I'm going to get this porcelain as white as snow, Lord. I'm going to sing about it. It's funny, but we can have that. And I see people doing that. It's like, my goodness, you're doing a job that's not very much fun, but you have so much joy in it. Gladness. My heart can be a a heart of gladness. I'm just, man, I'm just glad to be a part of the kingdom of God. I am just glad that, Jesus, you are a friend of mine. I'm just glad to be associated and adopted into the family of my Lord and Savior. So, Lord, I'll do whatever. You pick the worst job. You pick the best job. I'll do it because I'm. And thankfulness. That goes along with joy and gladness, doesn't it? I do these things. It's within my heart. I'm doing them with a thankful heart. That's what makes good works versus labor, versus a burden, versus my works. Where is my heart? And then lastly, to whose glory? To whose glory am I doing this? Jesus, you are my all in all. Jesus, you're the only one. Jesus, you are it. So I do this to your glory. Not, not to my glory, because that's what the world does, right? Oh, it's a me, me, me kind of world right now, isn't it, man? Man, I'm going to be a social media influencer, and everybody's going to look at me, and I'm going to base my value and my worth on how many follows and likes I get. It's all about me. And then there's others who make it all about others oh, I'm just a servant. I'm just, I'm just here to serve and I'm just going to serve everybody. But when they do that misguided and they're doing it for that person, it can get messed up. No, you're doing it for the glory of God. When we do it for the glory of God, great things happen. So we got to ask ourselves those questions when it comes to good works. Remember, good works flow from the grace. The salvation, the born-again experience, all of that, So we come to this point and when, when God asks us to do something or God doesn't even ask us to do it, but there's an opportunity. He's placed that opportunity. We can run through this. Well, why am I doing this? What are my motives? Where's my heart? To who? to whose glory? Who gets the glory in all of this? It helps us to back up because I'm telling you, our human nature. Our very human nature will cause us to mess all of this up. And we start to, man, how many pastors have fallen? Be there a moral failure, a financial failure, any of those things. Because they're chasing the success of a megachurch and all this great stuff. And look who I am. And man, I'm pretty important. And I'm going to call myself this. And I'm going to elevate myself to this Man, I'm looking at your actions. I'm listening to your words. And I'm filtering it through James. And I'm just kind of wondering. It's fruit. Fruit. Is it good fruit? Is it bad fruit? Is it fake fruit? Is it no fruit? Worship team, if you guys want to sneak up here. See, these are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves in general and in each situation. And they help us gain an understanding on the health and wellness of the faith that we profess to have. See, all of us in here, probably, each one of us in here, profess to have a faith in Jesus. But as James asks, where are your works? Are your works testifying to that faith? or something else. Our works play no role in our salvation. That is by grace alone. Good works help us to abide in Christ and that keeps us from falling or walking away from Christ. You want to keep your faith solid? Solid as a rock? Pursue those good works that God is placing in your path. That keeps you strong in relationship. Well, Pastor, man, I pray and I read my Bible and I still feel distant. Well, what are your actions? What are your deeds? What are you doing? Well, I'm sitting in my prayer closet 24-7 waiting for the return of Christ. I mean, you're not you're not having interaction with other people, with other Christians, with non-believers. You're not taking those opportunities. You're not giving to missions. You're not encouraging people? You're not doing any of that? Well, well, no wonder your faith seems a little thin right now. It's because good works do help us to abide in Christ. And as long as you are abiding in Christ, you're not in danger of falling away or walking away. God is able and wants you to do good works in you and through you. So have you made yourself available to God's grace and to his good works? I'm telling you, grace produces the beauty in works. we got to not mess that up. We're going to sing. We are going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to praise God. But I would also ask you guys just to lay it down. Asking these questions, man, God, do I got good fruit in my life? God, have I missed it? Is there anything in my life? Is there pride? Is there a lack of humility? Is there fear? Is there a, a need to, to be a people pleaser? Is there, is there obligation that I feel like I'm under that's diverting me from good works and making them works that are of myself? I think we need to ask God those questions. Go ahead and bring those lights down. We need to ask God those questions. If that leads you to the altar, if the Holy Spirit's nudging you, again, those are the words that the Holy Spirit is nudging you. The action that backs up those words is actually getting out of your seat and moving. Is the Holy Spirit nudging you to go pray for somebody? You don't know why? you've never really done that before, it kind of freaks you out. God, is that really you? Well, look, is it your motivation? Is it your doing? Who gets the glory? Man, if God's directing you to pray for somebody this morning, get up, get out of your seat. That's the motion. That's the action. That's the deed. It's based in faith, right? But what is that faith? If God gives you a prayer for somebody and you sit there and you keep it to yourself, what good is that? It's no good. Same thing if God's calling you to have some time with him at the altar. But you say, you know what? I'm good here in my seat, God. You don't know. You don't know what you're going to miss. So this morning, as we go into this, these last couple songs, and as we open up this altar, we open up this sanctuary, we open up this time of worship, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to His words. And then take those words and put action behind that. Because remember, the Holy Spirit will only speak to you and follow that up with action. He's never going to leave you hanging on a cliff. He's always going to give you the ability and the option. Will you take it this morning? Father, Lord, what an amazing message that you give to us through Paul and through James about good works. Lord, let us not misconstrue grace. Let us not allow our human reasoning and our human reckoning into the process of grace. Screw that all up lord god let us accept grace for the amazing gift that it is salvation a born-again experience through you and you alone which then compels us it changes us it transforms us into a worshiper of the almighty god who has a desire to do good things lord let our faith never to be absent from our actions and let our actions always be driven by our faith holy spirit as you are talking to people this morning. Allow their actions to follow up the words, the challenges, the conversation, the conviction that is coming into people's mindset right now. Lord God, let that faith build in them. That they back it up with actions tomorrow, this week, while we're in the workplace and, and the community place. Lord, when we are compelled, when we are led, when we are whispered to, Lord God, let our actions follow those words. Jesus, it's all in all, you and you alone. We pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said, amen. That right there is very much a song where our faith confesses that we desire the Spirit to lead us. But in order to be led, we have to take the action of following, right? song's very much about our faith and our action that backs it up. This week, today, you are going to have opportunities to put your faith into action, to show the faith that is within you, that beautiful faith of grace, of salvation, of of a born-again experience, an all-consuming God that lives within you, the Holy Spirit, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You will have an opportunity to place that into action. How that will look, I have no idea, and right now, you may not either, but watch for it and see what that accomplishes in you. Amen. Father, Lord, let the opportunities that come into our life in these next several days until we meet here again, Lord God, let us take that step towards you and let our deeds and our actions back up our faith and the grace that you have extended to us lord what a wonderful plan that you have and we're trusting that we will do these exact things we pray this and trust in the mighty name of jesus christ our lord and savior and everyone shout it out amen, amen. we do one more sure do it, do it. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com and we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.